welcome back to another episode of Cis and Dismiss. And we're your hosts. I'm Rebecca Adele. And I'm Felicia Segovia. Thanks for coming back. We're having a great time making these episodes. Um, so this week we will be having our topic and our true crime. This week I'll be picking the topic and Felicia picked the crime. The topic we will be discussing is films in the 2000s that had an effect on us growing up. And, and you're just hearing about this for the first time. I am just hearing about this for the first time that I'm actually really excited about this topic. And the true crime, what's the name of it? It is going to be uh, the disappearance or the murder of Sylvia Marie Likens. Awesome. So before we jump into that, let's start off with a joke. Alrighty. Okay. So this one is a little bit more related to... Um, the month that we're in, which is October. So if you're not listening, it's in October. This is why it's funny to me. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So why don't monsters eat ghosts? Mm, why don't they? Because they taste like sheet. <laughs> Get it? Like a bed sheet? Yeah. That's cute. I think I did hear that. Like some little girl might have said that on TikTok. It was, it was on TikTok and I thought yeah. it was adorable. And it, it fits perfectly because we're so close to Halloween. So spooky season season it's my favorite favorite time of the year is halloween through or october through december mainly because there's something going on every month and it just brings out all the beautiful darkness yeah the holiday season is almost here yep and i sent you a spooky box like a while ago do you like that is that something that we should do with each other more often sure i'll do it this year okay but i think i want to make it smaller that's fine we could do like we can like we can like pick a size like a size of box and we're like that size yeah I like that let's do that okay so let's jump into our topic Alrighty. like I said earlier the topic um I picked is films that inspired us or had an effect on us growing up in the 2000s can I ask why you picked this topic because we have a list of like topics that we wanted to talk about, but this isn't on it. So what made you Yeah, think? it is. I just added it the other day. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> I don't know. I thought more about like as a millennial things that affected me. And I think for me, film is a big thing and like stories. So I think we watched a lot of TV growing up and we watched a lot of movies growing up. Um, but is there anything, any film or movie, same thing, that you know you remember really there is and it's weird because like it's not like a normal movie like I don't know where you're going at it but like I'm in spooky season vibes so the first movie that comes to mind is um the do you remember the old scary movie Candyman that we watched with mom Mm -hmm. so that movie at the time I thought was the most terrifying movie ever because I don't know how old I was honestly when we watched it but that's what really turned me on to my love for scary movies and just the horror genre in general and really horror and thriller because I don't think that that movie was so much of a horror more of a thriller because you don't know what's happening and it's not a lot of gore but Mm -hmm. those movies specifically all the movies that we ever really watched with mom I don't know that's kind of it was like our bonding moment and she had really weird taste in movies so now I have really weird taste in movies yeah I think spooky season in that realm I think the movie it really had an effect on me like I watched that movie when I was way too young like I think I was five the tv version 
were we the same age when we watched it I think you're a year younger I was like five or six so you were like a year younger than me and our babysitter's kids showed us that movie and I was like so terrified of the bathroom drain after that not even like the gutters but like the bathroom drain that's funny that you say that because I had the exact same fear from the exact same like situation well I mean it was the same situation like watching that movie gave me the same fear as well yeah I think I was like for a long time probably like maybe up to like 11 or 12 I still was kind of like freaked out by it I'm not gonna lie I still am kind of freaked out by it but whatever and then I think non-spooky related I was thinking of films like um, I was really into like spy kids and like spy movies and I wanted to be a spy (laughs) wanted to be spy um non-spooky for me I would have to say would be um probably Matilda or Harriet the Spy because you put spy into my mind but Harriet the Spy was always one that I was so like confused by because it was such a weird type of movie it is a weird movie I was just thinking about that movie the other day it's weird like for that type or for that era of like time that we were in that movie was so weird and it was but now that I look at it I'm like wow this movie is so dated but at the same time it's still weird I need to watch that movie again because I was I was always slightly confused like you exactly that's what I'm saying that movie generally made me like want to understand what the hell is happening in movies 95% of the time now and I think we had that conversation the other day I was getting deep into a conversation about um like the handmaid's tale or something with your Becca and Nick was like nobody thinks about it like that and I was like no people do people do I swear well maybe it might just be me and you but no people do those movies are and like you say those movies from our generation are probably the reason why we are like that yeah I really like that movie um going forward a little bit I think Twilight like when that movie came out really (laughs) shaped a generation of young girls um and I read the books before the first movie came out and then after the film came out it was like like that movie will always be a part of like they're not great movies but that movie will always be a part of like my youth (laughs) okay so let's go back a little bit later and before Twilight came out what would you say was like one movie that everybody in our generation would have seen, would have known, and to this day could probably just like recite a line out of? That's how much an effect that movie had on our generation. What movie would you say it is? Harry Potter. Yeah. Me too. And now when I see people and they're like, oh, I've never seen Harry Potter. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, were you born under a rock? Well, a lot of people, like if you grew up in a religious household, their parents probably didn't let them watch it because it has like witchcraft in it. That's true. That is very true. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've heard from people. Yeah. We watched a lot of like TV movies, like rom-coms, those type of, you know, I wouldn't say we were shown like the night, well, some nineties movies we were like, it it fell over into when we were little. Um, Like, I don't really remember. I don't think I've seen Sleepless sleepless in Seattle, but like, I think the blockbuster or those type of fast rom-coms really were popular during our time. I have seen Sleepless in Seattle and it is a really good movie. And if you don't remember it, you need to watch it again because that is a really good movie. One movie that I remember that's a little bit older from probably the 90s was, um, 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 what was it called? It's the one 
where she's a stripper and or she's like not a stripper she's a prostitute and the guy like takes her and turns her into like this beautiful woman that she is that woman yes pretty women pretty woman I love that movie absolutely love that movie I could not tell you why I love it but it's just one of those movies that will always have a place in my heart that movie came out in 1990 see 90s well I was gonna say yeah some of the 90s movies because like mom really liked those movies and showed us them a lot so like they kind of bleed over a little bit would you say that there's a movie from the 90s that like kind of shaped you as a person Mm. or helped shape you as a person I'm looking up a list of like 90s movies right now (laughs) because I know like one of the movies I don't even know if it's from the 90s but I know it's an older movie is Enough with Jennifer Lopez oh yeah I think it's like early 2000s that movie has my heart on lockdown it is bad I think the movies we were also shown by our parents was like The Green Mile and like Shawshank Redemption those classic movies which have really heavy themes um and I was probably like a preteen maybe when I saw those. So, and those were like, those were probably a good age to start watching those movies because I was old enough to like start thinking about things like that, um, but not too young where like these topics are inappropriate, I think. Yeah. So, Sorry. That's what scares me with a little bit of the movies that come out nowadays and like the generation and the access that like our gener- our younger generations have to like the internet anybody can see them at any age now and sometimes I don't think that the younger generation should be because I think it could be a lot of the reason why they do some stupid ass shit they see things that they aren't considering normal yeah like with all of the like if you have a phone you do have and like if it doesn't have parental control or something you do have all this access to this information so young so easily um and I think for the most part we definitely were the movies we watched were filtered through mom. Like we, if it was like, I do think if it was like PG-13, we weren't allowed to watch it at like nine years old. I think mom was very selective with the movies that we were allowed to see. She so, was with a lot of our like social, like not social media interaction. What is the word? What is the word I'm looking for? Technology like interaction. Cause it wasn't just movies. She did that with TV. She did that with music. She did that with video games. Like there was a lot of things that she made sure we were not seeing like explicit content or content that was too old for our generation to be dealing with at that time. So she did good on that part, but at the same time, I think she could have, she blocked out things we could have seen. Like what? The Powerpuff Girls, come on. That was later on. You had me watching Charm. That's about witches and shit. And you can't let me watch the Powerpuff Girls. That was older though. We were older then. I don't know, man. I feel like I've been watching Charm since I can walk. No, I think we were like preteens. I think we were like preteens when Charm. We really started watching Charmed. If you don't know what Charmed is, and you're our age, you need to watch it because it's really good. It's about three sister witches, and they come into their powers and their relationship and whatnot. It's super, super good. But I named my cat after the white lighter. (laughs) Leo, he's very cute. He is very cute. Actually, he's a demon, but whatever. I also just think, like I'm saying, for the most part, we were, what we watched was regulated. Like, mom had parental control on the TV. I mean, we figured it out, but like, (laughs) we weren't just allowed to watch whatever. Like, I remember mom had a scary movie at one point and was like, no, you guys can't watch it. And like, we had to go in the room or something. 
Yeah, I do remember that too. Or even like if they didn't know that something was happening in like a movie, they would like fast forward it so we didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Which not everyone does. Nope, not everybody does. So I think that was for the most part, those are the films that really like had a effect on me, like Harry Potter and like Twilight. Yeah, those ones really stick out in my childhood. And then a little bit like the older 90s TV movies because our mom showed us that. Yeah, honestly, the it's stupid, but the things that stick out to me too are like the, like when you said the TV movies, like the Disney Channel Halloween mm-hmm. episodes, those ones I have to watch every year, no matter what age I get. I have to watch the like classic Disney Channel movies. Those They're like comfort yeah nostalgia yeah exactly exactly but hey do you want to squeeze or slide into caffeinated crime time yeah i want to slide into caffeinated crime time (laughs) slide into caffeinated crime time like i'm sliding down my dutch bros yee what are you drinking for our caffeinated crime time um nothing (laughs) you fail at this i'm thinking we're gonna have to change the whole jingle the whole like name of the segment Okay, so for our caffeinated crime time, we are going to be talking about the story of Sylvia Marie Likens. Do you know who that is? No, I've never heard of her. Okay, so I thought I hadn't heard of her either until I started like doing the research for the story and it triggered some deep down dark memory that I have. I don't know if I saw a movie, if I read a book, if I read an article somewhere, but details of the story are the only reason why I remember it. And I had to like get deep into it in order to remember. Okay, so let's go. Sylvia Marie Likens was born January 3rd, 1949. She was the third of five children born to carnival workers, Lester Cecil Likens and his wife, Elizabeth Betty Francis. She was born between two sets of paternal twins, Daniel and Diana, her older siblings, and Benny and Jenny, her younger siblings. Jenny Likens suffered from polio, causing one of her legs to be weaker than the others. She was afflicted with a notable limp and had to wear a steel brace on one leg. Lester and Elizabeth's marriage was an unstable one. They often sold candy, beer, and soda at carnival stands around Indiana throughout the summer, moving frequently and regularly experiencing severe financial difficulties. The Likens' son regularly traveled with them in order to assist with their job, but Sylvia and Jenny were discouraged from doing the same out of concern for their safety and education. As a result, both sisters frequently stayed with their relatives, often their grandmother as well. By June 1965, Sylvia and Jenny Likens resided with their parents in Indianapolis. On July 3rd, their mother was arrested and jailed for shoplifting. Shortly thereafter, Lester Likens, the father, arranged for his daughters to board with Gertrude Banizewski. Banizewski. I'm I'm going to fuck up her last name. So it's Gertrude, (laughs) the mother of two girls whom the sisters had recently become friends with at school. At the time of this boarding agreement, Gertrude assured Lester she would take care for his daughter. She would take care of his daughters until his return, as if they were her own children. Shortly after the Fourth of July holiday, the sisters moved in with Gert- into Gertrude's household in order for their father and later their mother to travel the East Coast with the carnival, with the understanding that Gertrude rece- would receive weekly boarding fees of twenty dollars to care for their daughters until their return to collect them in November. During the initial weeks in which Sylvia and Jenny resided with Gertrude, the sisters were subjected to very little discipline or abuse. Sylvia regularly sang along to pop records with Stephanie, one of the girls she was friends with at school, and she willingly participated in housework that 
Gertrude asked them to do. Both girls also regularly attended Sunday school with the children of Gertrude. Although Lester Likens had agreed to pay Gertrude $20 a week in exchange for care of his daughters, after approximately two weeks, these payments failed to consistently arrive upon the prearranged dates, occasionally arriving one or two days late. In response, Gertrude began venting her frustrations at the fact <laughs> at this fact upon the sisters by beating their bare buttocks with various instruments, such as a one quarter inch thick paddle, making statements such as, well, I took care of you two little bitches for a week for nothing. What the hell? Do you remember any of this yet? No. Okay. Um, fair warning now, like this is going to get a pretty deep and a little graphic. So if you're not okay with that, maybe this isn't the episode to watch, but. Trigger warning, there's child abuse child abuse lots of it and sexual abuse okay on one occasion in late august both girls were beaten approximately 15 times on the back with that paddle after paula had accused the sisters of eating too much food at a church supper the household children had attended by mid-august gertrude had begun to focus her abuse mostly exclusively on sylvia with her primary motivation likely being jealousy of the girl's youth appearance respectability and potential According to the trial testimony, this abuse was initially inflicted upon Sylvia after she and Jenny had returned home from school, as well as on the weekends. The initial abuse included subjecting Sylvia to beatings and starvation, forcing her to eat leftovers and spoiled food out of the garbage cans. No, I haven't heard this, but it sounds like a lot of other child abuse cases that I have heard of. Same. I was thinking the same thing, but there, there's one moment that I was like, ding, light bulb. On one occasion in late August, Sylvia was subjected to humiliation when she claimed to have a boyfriend in Long Beach, whom she had met in the spring of 1965 when her family lived in lived in California. In response, Gertrude asked Sylvia if she had ever done anything with the boy, to which she, unsure of the meaning, replied, I guess so, and explained that she had gone skating with boys there and had once gone to a park on the beach with them, continuing the conversation with Jenny and Stephanie, the sisters that they were friends with, her sister and the girl she was friends with. Sylvia mentioned that she had once laid under the covers with her boyfriend. Upon hearing this, Gertrude asked, what did you do? Why did you do that, Sylvia? Sylvia replied, I don't know, and shrugged. Several days later, Gertrude removed, Gertrude returned to the subject with Sylvia, telling her, you've certainly, you're certainly getting a big, getting big in the stomach, Sylvia. It looks like you're going to have a baby. Sylvia thought Gertrude was kidding and said, yeah, it sure is getting big. I'm just going to have to go on a diet. So at this point, there's like some mental, like verbal abuse type things like that she's playing in there. Mm -hmm. Gertrude then informed her and the other girls in the house that whenever they did something with a boy, that they would be sure to have a baby. She then kicked Likens, Sylvia, in the genitals. Paula herself, three months pregnant and also jealous of Sylvia's physical appearance, then participated in attacking Sylvia, knocking her off the chair and onto the kitchen floor, shouting, you ain't fit to sit in a chair. What the hell? On another occasion, as the family ate supper, Gertrude, Paula, and the neighbor and a neighborhood boy named Randy Gordon Leeper force-fed Sylvia a hot dog overloaded with condiments, including mustard, ketchup, and spices. Sylvia vomited as a result and was later forced to consume what she had regurgitated. How old was she? So at this time, she's about 14, 15 years old. Hmm. While at school, Stephanie was jokingly propositioned by a boy who told her that Sylvia had started a rumor about her. Upon returning home that day, Stephanie questioned Sylvia about the rumor and she admitted to starting it. Stephanie punched her in response. <laughs> Sylvia apologized to her, 
and in tears. And Stephanie then also began to cry. So she punched her in the face and then they both started crying. They're crazy. Yes, there's some wild shit going on. However, when Stephanie's boyfriend, 15-year-old Coy Randolph Hubbard, heard of the rumor, he brutally attacked Sylvia, slapping her, banging her head against the wall and flipping her backwards onto the couch. When Gertrude found out, she used a paddle to beat Sylvia. Gertrude would later occasionally force Jenny to strike her own sister, beating Jenny if she did not comply. What the hell? I've never heard of the story. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like a string of bullying that just like, yeah, it's to the point where it's, she's not even doing it. Like, it's not just the Gertrude lady that's doing it. Like now these neighborhood kids are doing it. Her children yeah. are also beating them. Like they're in a very horrible situation and their parents think that they're being taken care of. Yeah. Coy Hubbard and several of his classmates frequently visited the house where the girls resided to both physically and verbally torment Sylvia, often collaborating with Gertrude's children and Gertrude herself. With Gertrude's active encouragement, these neighborhood children routinely beat Sylvia, sometimes using her as a practice dummy in violent judo sessions, lacerating her body, burning her skin with cigarettes in excess of 100 times, and severely injuring her genitals. To entertain Gertrude and her teenage accomplices, Sylvia was forced at one point to strip naked in the family living room and masturbate with a Pepsi Cola bottle in their presence. With Gertrude stating all present that this act of humiliation was for sylvia to prove to jenny what kind of girl you are this that's, is very disturbing yeah that's the one that remembered me i remember that specific act of like horrible horribleness in something that i had read or seen or somewhere but it just like the light bulb turned on for me when they told me that because that it doesn't go into it in detail but at that point um the pepsi bottle broke inside of her how old was she 15 15 16 this is crazy and like the fact that it's not just one person doing this mm-hmm. and it's it's nobody's saying anything like there's no way there's no way that these girls can have like any types of scars or anything mm-hmm. gertrude eventually forbade sylvia from attending school after she confessed to having stolen a gym suit from the school due to gertrude refusing to purchase one for her to wear For this act of theft, Gertrude whipped Sylvia with that three inch or with a three inch wide police belt. Gertrude then switched her conversation to the evils of premarital sex before repeatedly kicking Sylvia in the genitals as Stephanie rallied to the Lycan's defense, shouting, she didn't do anything. Gertrude then burned Stephanie's fingertips with matches before further whipping her. So on October 25th, Sylvia attempted to escape. She was in the basement after overhearing a conversation between Gertrude and John Jr., Gertrude's son, pertaining to the family's plan to abandon her to die. She attempted to flee the front door. However, due to her extensive injuries and general weakness, Gertrude caught her before she could escape the property. Sylvia was then given crackers to eat, but was unable to consume the food due to her extreme state of dehydration. Gertrude forced the crackers into her mouth before repeatedly striking her in the face with a curtain rod. Coy Hubbard then took the curtain rod from Gertrude and struck lightnings one further time, rendering her unconscious. Gertrude then dragged Steph or Sylvia to into the basement. That evening, Sylvia desperately attempted to alert the neighbors by screaming for help and hitting from hitting the walls of the basement with a spade. One immediate neighbor of the house would later inform police that she had heard the desperate commotion and that she had identified the source as emanating from the basement but that the noise had suddenly ceased at approximately 3 a.m. and she decided not to further inform the police. 
That's crazy. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so by the morning of October 26th, uh, Sylvia was in, unable to speak intelligibly or correctly coordinate the movements of her limbs. Gertrude moved Sylvia into the kitchen and having propped her back against the wall, attempted to feed her a donut with a glass of milk. She threw Sylvia on the floor in frustration when Sylvia was unable to correctively or to correctly move the glass of milk to her lips. She was then returned to the basement. That afternoon, Sylvia, several of Sylvia's other tormentors gathered in the basement. Sylvia jerkily moved her arms in an attempt to protect herself from the tormentors she could recognize. She was making statements such as, you're Ricky, you're Ger Gertie, but Gertrude shouted, shut up, you know who I am. In an attempt to wash Sylvia, a laughing John Jr. Spayed her with a sprayed her with a garden hose brought into the house that afternoon by Randy at Gertrude's request. Likens again desperately attempted to exit the basement but collapsed before she could reach the stairs. In response to this effort, Gertrude stomped upon Likens' head before standing and staring at her for several moments. Shortly after 5.30 p.m., Richard Hobbs returned to the residence and immediately proceeded to the basement. He slipped on the wet basement stairs and fell heavily onto the floor. To be confronted with the sight of Stephanie crying and cuddling Sylvia, Sylvia's emaciated, lacerated body after she had been ordered by her mother to clean Sylvia. So they are basically beating the living life out of her and trying to clean her at the same time, I guess maybe to wash away the evidence of whatever's happening. This is so strange. Like, why are you like, you're like beating her and you're like starving her, but then you're like trying to feed her and wash her. Like, it feels like these, these are like very bipolar yeah actions and it gets worse that's the problem it gets so much worse <laughs> yeah so after her mother had ordered her to clean her stephanie and richard then decided to give sylvia a warm bath soapy a warm soapy bath and dress her in new clothes they laid her on a mattress in one of the bedrooms upstairs as sylvia muttered through her final breath she wished for her dad when stephanie realized that Sylvia was not breathing. She attempted to apply mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation as Gertrude repeatedly shouted to the children in the house that Sylvia was faking her own death. Sylvia was 16 years old when she finally succumbed, succumbed to her injuries. What the hell? Faking it? She's literally been tortured and you're going to say she's being dramatic? Mm -hmm. Like you literally just tortured this girl to death, a 16-year-old to death, and you're still trying to say that she's faking it? Also, she doesn't need a fucking bath. She needs to go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> she don't need some milk. She needs a doctor. Okay, so I could tell you the Cliff Notes version of what happens with the arrest and everything. Yeah. All right, Cliff Notes version. Um, the daughter that is crying and was trying to resuscitate her ends up calling the police. Police show up and they enter the house they go into the room where actually Gertrude is leading them into the room where Sylvia is at and she hands them a letter that she had forced Sylvia to write earlier in the day basically like a suicide note type thing um she had also claimed that she had been doctoring the child for hours prior to her death and that she was a runaway from a home with several teenagers several teenage boys and that they were like taking her in and like gave her a safe space to go basically and that she died yeah it sounds like at this point that day her final day or hours 
that they were just trying to cover their tracks at that point. Like they knew something was wrong and they were just trying to sort of save themselves by like washing her or feeding her something or, you know, bringing her upstairs, leading the police to her. Oh yeah. We don't know why, you know? Yeah. But they didn't believe any of that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the evidence speaks for itself. Yeah. They're looking at the situation. They're looking at Gertrude. They're looking at all the kids in this house and this dead girl on this bed. And as previously instructed by Gertrude, Jenny Likens, the little sister of Sylvia, recited and rehearsed a version of the events leading up to Likens' death, Sylvia's death, to the police before whispering to an officer, if you get me out of here, I'll tell you everything. How old was she? She was one of the twins. So she's yeah. a couple years younger. So like 12 or something? Yeah. Well, and good for her. That was enough for the cop to arrest everybody smart she's smart so they arrested everybody in the household but um it gets even worse like i said moral of the story is they arrest them they get tried they all go to jail and then they get there was a retrial for the daughter and the mom and they got like a shorter maximum sentence or something and then the mom applied for what is it when you get probation to be released on probation and she got released on probation or no, she got released from jail on good behavior. So how and long did she serve? She served, she was supposed to serve life sentences. That was the problem. That's what irritated me about the way this story ended. And that's why I'm like giving you the cliff notes because I don't want to read it again. But she got the first initial sentencing was a life sentence. The second initial sentencing, or no, the first initial sentencing was like 50 years or something. And then the second was a life sentence. And then she- oh got that one like redone and was able to get out on time served and good behavior and she died she died outside of prison outside of prison living her own life crazy Mm -hmm. she was able to convince everybody in prison that she found jesus and she was no longer this horrible person well i hope she fucking hell so yeah well that was really um yeah intense and sad yeah but thanks for sharing that story because i don't i didn't really know much about it i'm sure a lot of people don't know about it as well yeah but um the only good thing about this story is that jenny likens was able to not go down without a fight and she probably saved her own life and that of others and that it's dismissed because that bitch is dead the the mom (laughs) yeah the mom all right Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at fee116 underscore. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rebecca Adele underscore. And you can find our podcast Twitter at sis, the letter N, dis podcast. Or you can email us at sisanddispodcast at yahoo.com. And let us know if you want to hear more topics, like an entire episode dedicated to a topic or an entire episode dedicated to a crime, because um, we're just trying to figure out what works best. And yeah, what do you guys want to hear more about? Do you want to hear our voices and our opinions, or do you want to hear more true crime stories? Yes. Also, sorry. Also, if you're listening to this on spot on Spotify, um, and you would like to help Becca over here get a soundproof room because I can hear your lawnmower. It's, it's not my lawnmower. There's a lawnmower going off. Anyways, if you want to help us with some soundproofing, that'd be great. You can support us and 
click the link on our Spotify bio and it'll help us with monthly subscriptions. Thank you so much. We now have two subscribers. Yeah. Shout out to our second subscriber. You know who you is. We see you, boo. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.